Hey guys, welcome to Kingdom Minds, a podcast where we talk about Kingdom Hearts and the Kingdom of God. My name is David. Hello, I'm Karis. So, what's the first thing for today? We got the news, right? Yes, we have the news. All right, so it's been like a hot minute since we recorded an episode. So, I don't know, I was wondering how you're doing in terms of lockdown and stuff. Have you been reading or like playing things or like what's been going on? Just doing some editing. Uh, working on stuff from my YouTube channel. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that out as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I just recently watched your edit of um, Chain of Memories last week. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, so anyway, news. In the last like couple weeks, there's been this whole Kingdom Hearts Disney Plus show rumor going on. And originally it was like a sketchy site posted it. It was like, we got this covered or something. And then I looked into it and they're like known for posting really clickbaity things with no source material whatsoever, like no official sources. So everyone was like, nah, this isn't going to happen. And then someone in the know on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but they were like, no, like it is real. So uh, who's to say? But um, do you think a Kingdom Hearts show would work at all? You know, I've always wanted a Kingdom Hearts movie. I think a lot of people have. But I do think a show could work just because... A movie would be really hard to get all the worlds in there. Because that, that was something I always wondered, like, how would they fit all the worlds in that? Because when I did my edits of the game cutscenes, like, just for Kingdom Hearts 1, ended up being, what, like, something like, I can't remember if it was somewhere between two and three hours. I cut out as much as possible and tried to make it as cinematic as possible. And I basically ended up putting the majority of the Disney worlds as a montage. <laughs> nice. Which I thought worked fairly well for that. But I feel like if you're watching a, a movie and you're expecting to see all the Disney worlds, you'd be pretty sorely disappointed if, if it was covered in a montage like that. Cause the draw of kingdom hearts is being able to see a lot of Disney worlds, you know, in whatever medium you're, you're watching it in. Mm-hmm. And if, if you cut it down to like three Disney worlds, well, it's not much of a draw then. It feels more like you have some cameos. Well, it's more like cameos if you don't cut the time down, but or you don't cut down the amount, but you, you just cut the time down. Then it ends up just feeling like a, a bunch of cameos. Like they don't, you're not really experiencing Sora and Donald and Goofy interacting with all the Disney characters. Unless they find some sort of way to integrate Disney characters into the flow of the story or they just completely change the story. So I feel like. A show might actually be good because, you know, you could have, you know, like episode one, Destiny Islands, episode two, Traverse Town, uh, episode three, Deep Jungle or whatever. Of course, I'm sure they'll they'll change something like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would want something original with completely new characters, but I don't think they would do that because... I'm sure they would be looking to draw people who know nothing about Kingdom Hearts. And so I reckon they would probably just remake the first game as a show. But no, like something completely different would be really fun. Like, I don't know, potentially bringing in some like Unicross type stuff, but I don't I don't think that's likely. I would like to watch it all instead of playing the mobile game. That would be nice. <laughs> you and everyone who actually plays the game. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but no, I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll most likely remake the main story through Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and 3. I think that, that's probably likely as well. Although it is interesting, the rumor states, of course, and of course it's still just a rumor, the rumor states that they've hired Square Enix to to produce the show. Oh, really? Yeah, which is interesting. I, I mean, I think you're definitely going to want Square Enix and Tetsuya Nomura involved somehow to kind of keep keep his vision intact. And, you know, if that's the case, I wonder if in some ways it will really just be a, a retelling of the games in a TV show format. But yeah. if it's done by Tetsuya Nomura, I'm, I wonder if he would find a way to make it so where nothing is added that contradicts what's in the games to, to where the TV show could actually be canon. What I think would be really interesting would be if they did like maybe the whole show, but like maybe not have Sora as the protagonist or like at least do episodes from other characters point of view. That would be really awesome. Like maybe Kyrie or even members of the organization. I mean, they are pretty well fleshed out already, but it would be really cool to see them fleshed out even more, like in a show where you have that kind of time. Yeah, that would be really fun. And I think I think they would be really wasting the opportunity if they didn't do that. There's so much potential. Yeah, absolutely. But I I don't want it to become a thing where it's like Star Wars where they make the movie and it's so confusing that you have to read the Disney novel to understand what's going on. Like, I don't want it to be a supplement to the games, like something you have to watch to understand things. It would be nice if it was just like a nice addition. Do you know what I mean? Like its own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be the ideal in my opinion. I feel like ideally, an ideal scenario would be is the Square Enix is involved somehow, but if you have, you know, the top creatives at Disney, which is where Disney strength is, it's in movies and storytelling, if you could get those people involved, and I think the combined efforts of the storytelling techniques of Nomura and of the people at Disney, I think could be a, a really great scenario because you could have a really solid story and at the same time still have what makes Kingdom Hearts, so loved by a lot of people, have kind of the best of both worlds. You know, solid animation. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like both Square Enix and Disney can pull off really solid animation. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I guess there's so many different things that they could do with it. You could have it split up into seasons. You could have a, a different season for each game. That, that could easily take forever just to go through. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. You could do some games as like spin-off movies. Yeah, there's so many, so many possibilities. But yeah, I definitely think Disney Plus has been the kind of the medium that Kingdom Hearts has been waiting for. I don't know why they never try to make it into a movie. Maybe for some of the reasons I mentioned, maybe it was just too challenging to kind of get all those Disney worlds into a movie and do all the character models and everything. Well, I mean, Disney has a budget to do. Lots of character models nowadays. It's not really an issue, but yeah, it just seems like such an obvious cash grab for Disney. I don't know why they didn't think of this earlier. Yeah, absolutely. No, I feel especially now is the time. Like, there's never been a better time for Kingdom Hearts, in my opinion. Like, coming off the success of Kingdom Hearts three, it was a huge game. Yeah, well, I'm excited. No matter what it is, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they come up with. 
if it's true. Mm-hmm. And I guess it means I'll have to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. So anyway, moving right along, we were going to talk about our top five favorite Disney worlds in Kingdom Hearts, specifically Disney, like not any of the original things, because I feel like we can leave that for another episode. So we've got our top five list, and I don't know how best to do this. Shall we like take it in turn? So like we do my fifth pick and then yours or whatever. Let's just do your all your five and then I'll do mine. Okay, so uh, yeah, my number five pick is the grid from Dreamed Up Distance, because I feel like it really improved on the world of Space Paranoids from Kingdom Hearts 2. It's just a lot of fun. Like, the race at the start on the bikes, I think that was in Riku's scenario, if if I remember correctly, but that, that was really fun. And I think the world just seemed really big. Like, a lot of the worlds in Dreamed Up Distance were really big and just really designed really well. I also really enjoy Sora's outfit in the grid. I think it's way better than Space Paranoids when he's got those weird, like, two blocks coming out at the back of his helmet or whatever they are. I don't know. I'm like, why Why did they design it like this? It's so ugly. And yeah, I was really impressed by, like, the fights in this world. And I think as well, it really progressed the story from Space Paranoids with, like, Tron, who's the friendly dude that Sora's familiar with. And then he's obviously changed to Rinsler, and there's all these kind of parallels as well with changes in dynamics between members in the organization and things like that, which I thought was cool. And the music is also dope. Like, it's very neo-futuristic. It's based on the Daft Punk soundtrack of the original movie, Tron Legacy, which is pretty mediocre, but it's got great soundtrack. So yeah, that's my pick. What do you think of The Grid? Do you like it or? Well, I, I've still haven't played Dream Drop Distance. Um, all I can say about it is that it looked pretty cool in the cutscenes. Fair. Yeah. I've not finished it, actually. I'm about like halfway through. I don't know. I'll get to it eventually. There's too many other things to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, my okay, so my, my fourth pick is a little bit of a joke. So it's Castle of Dreams from Birth by Sleep. So, I just really love Cinderella, and it's really fun seeing the world explored, particularly from Aqua and Ben's perspective when they're the size of a mouse. It's really silly, and honestly, I had so much fun with it. Like, when Ven is just rolling around on that ball of wool and he's trying to make Cinderella's dress or whatever, it's really benign, but that's what's fun about it for me. <laughs> There's a moment... Where Aqua, when she's the size of a mouse, she just suddenly becomes her normal size again. I don't know, I guess the magic wears off or whatever. But it's when the Duke is at Cinderella's house with the glass slipper and stuff. And after Lady Tremaine tries it on and everything, or not her, but the ugly sisters. So so Aqua then just randomly becomes full size again. And then she falls off a banister that she's standing on. And she just lands on the floor. And it's so hilarious because... Everyone just stares at her blankly. And then she just goes, wait, can I try on the glass slipper? It's just so stupid and bizarre and wonderful. Well, I love how Lady Tremaine is like, uh, who are you and why are you in my house? Yes. And <laughs> there's also a moment in Terra's scenario. He fights like a boss when he's at the ball. And then the Duke 
runs past him and he's like, thanks, you saved us all. And the guests were just starting to enjoy themselves. I'm like, what guests? There's no NPCs in this game. What are you talking about? So, yeah, it's no one's favourite, but it's one of mine because it's just... There's so many hilarious, like, moments, and I just had so much fun with it. I can't explain to you how much fun I had in Castle of Dreams. So, yeah. Nice. That's my fourth. That's fair. So, my third is the Beast Castle from Kingdom Hearts 2, so, like, another princess one. But I had so much fun exploring the castle, having already met the Beast, especially in Hollow Bastion in Kingdom Hearts 1, it's so interesting being there from that point of view and like knowing him, but being unfamiliar with the castle itself. And there's that really cool fight with like an enchanted door and there's like two gargoyles or whatever. It's really impressive how they recreated the movie so well. It's really beautifully done. And it's just really reminiscent of the movie. And part of why I love this world so much is because I'm a huge sucker for the OG Beauty and the Beast, not the new one. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> so I also felt the story of the world was really strong, like really strong, because Zaladin's there and he's trying to manipulate the beast, using his sorrow and pain and turning it against him into anger and making him lash out at the others and trying to scare Belle and all these different things. And we don't often see, like, the Disney World characters, like, deviate from the character arc in the movie. Or, like, not deviate, but it's just the writing is so good the way they did it. And it's really cool as well how Sora uses what he's learned about friendship and he's trying to talk some sense into the beast. He's like, no, like, you've got to treat her well and you should just go talk to her and things like that. It's so good. It's masterful, honestly. So I, I love it. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed that world a lot as well. Yeah, it, it's up there. My second favorite is San Francisco in King Hearts 3. I love it. Sora's like utter delight at being there. I'm just like, dang, like you feel me, bro, because this was one of the worlds I was most excited for in Kingdom Hearts 3. And Sora's just like an utter hype man once he gets there. He's like, wow, this is so cool. Look at these superheroes. It's so fun. Look at the city. It's so metropolitan. I just was so excited as well. So he was like totally mirroring my excitement. And that was so much fun. And one of the reasons that Big Hero 6 is one of my favorite Disney movies is because of how like immersive the world building is. So seeing like Sora, Donald and Goofy exploring it it was just my jam. It was so good. And it also feels really big. And I loved running up and down the skyscrapers and sliding on the rails. Oh, it's so good. Really, really fun. And there's loads of like little places to check out and and fun stuff. I really enjoyed the part where you're training the Big Hero 6 team and seeing them learn the new skills by watching Sora. That was really satisfying because they're applying their science knowledge as well to like what he's doing. And it's it's just really nerdy and really fun. There's a moment where Baymax teaches Sora the fist bump and he goes, bah, la, la, la. <laughs> I was like, it's so cute. One of my favorite parts, there's a beautiful scene where Baymax, Hiro and Gogo and Sora, they're sitting on top of the bridge in San Francisco and they're eating ice cream. And it just fades into a scene where Roxas, Hater, Pence and Olette are sitting and eating sea salt ice cream together. It's just a really beautiful callback. 
and there's there's lots of really nice moments. So so yeah, that's my number two. And then my number one is Agrabah from both Kingdom Hearts one and Kingdom Hearts two. Like they're both really really well done. Yes, I really enjoy the design of the world, especially the platforming. There's loads of like fun ways to get around to different places jumping up on top of buildings and the little like canopy things i'd i'd really like it and as dumb as it is i enjoy the pot centipede boss i don't know it's it's something different from all the other games and i really like the design of the heartless in the world as well they've got like the curved swords and stuff but yeah, my my favorite part about it is being able to explore the Cave of Wonders. Like, there's just something about that location that's... It's really impressive how big it feels. It's even better in Kingdom Hearts 2. There's, like, more places to check out, and there's, like, little puzzles with the monkey statue. I don't know, man. I, I just had a lot of fun with it. So, uh, so yeah, Agrabah is, is definitely my favorite. That's interesting. I, I guess it's been a long time since I, since I played... Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I don't remember particularly liking Agrabah. I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I have to go back and play it, but I do agree that Cave of Wonders was a, was a lot better than kind of the the main section. But uh, I, I guess I felt like the color palette, I don't know, always bothered me that it just felt so plain. Although that yeah. is a world I would have liked to have revisited or I would like them to revisit a future game with with better graphics. I think I think it could be potentially really good world. That's fair. Not that it's not. I just I guess I just never enjoyed it enjoy it as much as you did. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I feel like on any given day, any of these could be in a different order. But these were just when I was thinking about it, I was like Agrabah. I really like Agrabah. So yeah, I don't know. It might not be my favorite. It was today. But that's okay. What about you? Yeah, so my list is not in any particular order. I feel like my list is also going to be a little skewed because it's been... When I played Kingdom Hearts 1, I played it on my cousin's console. So it was really his game. And then I bought a PS2 to play Kingdom Hearts 2. But I haven't played it since then. I didn't play the remakes. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is most fresh in my mind. And then I didn't play any spin-off games. I can't speak accurately to those, you know, except from what I've seen from the cutscenes and other people's gameplay. Mm-hmm. So, with that disclaimer, I will say <laughs> it's not in any particular order, but from Kingdom Hearts 2, I did enjoy the Tron world, Space Paranoids. I thought it was it had a really cool kind of retro feel to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that 80s kind of synth vibe to it. I don't know. I like the, the idea of kind of Pulling back to this old, this really old school live action Disney sci-fi movie. And uh, I love Tron as a character. Loved his actor, Bruce. Uh, I always forget how to pronounce his last name. Bruce something. <laughs> I have no idea. But anyway, yeah, I just thought it was it was fun. It was fun how you got, you kind of went, went back in there a couple times. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Space Paranoids and... Uh, I also enjoyed Beauty and the Beast World a lot. One of my favorite favorite Disney movies, animated, of course. Yes, we don't talk about the live action one. <laughs> yeah, hey, what what live action one? I know, right? I mean, it's just cool. It was cool to be able to play in one of my favorite Disney movies. 
and I agree, the story was, I think, a lot stronger in that world than uh, a lot of the other Disney worlds was. Yeah. I feel like the Beast and Bill like, contribute a lot more in the story. You know, the Beast actually attacks Zaldan and Bill, like, <laughs> she straight up, like, elbows him while he while he's holding her. And she, and she, like, gets away on her own. She's so good. And, like, her little smirk when she's running with the rose. <laughs> And and Sora's just like, good one, Belle. It's so cute. Yeah, I wish they had gotten some of the music from the movie because the movie's music was so good. Oh, for sure. They, I think they only got the B and the Beast theme. It must be something with the rights, which is, I feel like it's kind of dumb because the game is still being produced by Disney. But there must be some sort of legal issue with the rights of some of the songs that they're not able to use. Or maybe they just didn't have the file space to put too many songs in it. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's my main regret is that they didn't have more music from the from the movies. But um yeah, so Space Paranoids, Being the Beast, and also really enjoyed the Mulan world in uh, Kingdom Hearts too. I feel like there's a good variety in the world. You've kind of got kind of a grassy fields, you've got mountains, um, and then you've got the the palace area. Yeah, I was quite impressed with how much they managed to to put in there. Yeah. I think that was kind of the beginning of them really kind of opening up the scope uh, of the worlds in the Kingdom Hearts games, starting to make it feel a little bit more open world. That's definitely one I would love for them to revisit sometime with better graphics. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And then definitely the Pirates of the Caribbean world in Kingdom Hearts 3. I think when I first played it, it was a little overwhelming because you're just like, this is so big. I feel like you could just go anywhere and do anything. I felt like at first there was so much to do there. Like it actually kind of gave me a headache just to think about it. <laughs> but going back, it's definitely, I think, arguably has the most replayability of the other worlds because there's all these different islands to explore. There's stuff you can do with the ship. You can upgrade the ship. You can do more battles uh, on the on the sea. I think it has like the most treasures that you can find. I think with the story thematically, we've talked about this before, but there's a lot of recurring themes in the overall story that are present in the pirates world of course the graphics were just so good yeah it's beautiful i I was really impressed with it because i didn't really enjoy port royale that much from kingdom hearts 2 so i was kind of bummed that they were going back to it in kingdom hearts 3 but they did it so well yeah and i probably have to say i mean there's so many good worlds in kingdom hearts 3 Arguably, I think some of the original worlds are, are really, really good. But in terms of Disney worlds, I'd probably say also San Francisco would be my last pick. Yes. Because, you know, both the Pirates world and San Francisco world are towards the end. And they you definitely say the best for last, the biggest kind of most immersive worlds, most open world. And I feel like San Francisco fits Kingdom Hearts so perfectly because. Kingdom Hearts is a merging of Japanese and Western culture. For sure. It's Square Enix and Disney. I mean, Disney, I mean, practically have created Western culture just from the impact this movies has had on the culture. And, you know, Square Enix and its Final Fantasy games have really symbolized, accurately or not, <laughs> have symbolized Japanese culture to a lot of Westerners. and. Uh, that's what Big Hero 6 is about. It's, it's literally a fusion between 
Japan and the US. So. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. And I don't know why that's never occurred to me. But that is really cool. I have a lot of love for that movie. I like studied it as part of my dissertation to do with CGI and Disney movies. And I talked about Wreck-It Ralph and Big Hero 6 and about just the CGI and the immersiveness of it and the hyper-reality and all sorts of stuff. And just the pastiche as well of just the two cultures just like thrust together. I was really impressed with how it looked in the game. And I kind of... It would have been nice because most of it just happens like straight up in the city. But it would have been cool if they would have gone to like those bot fighting like back alley sort of places um, where it has like more of a Japanese feel like at the start of the movie. That would have been really cool. I would have been down for that. But what we got was really impressive and really beautiful as well. So that's a good pick for sure. And one of the reasons why I also picked it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, you want to move on to the last section? Yes. Also, I'll just mention that to any of our listeners out there, please let us know your top five favorite Disney worlds or some of them. I'm sure we missed yours and I'm sorry. But yeah. Now we shall move on to our spiritual theme segment. So we're doing a part two of what we talked about last time, which was Destiny versus Free Will. And we kind of thought it would be fun to, because we mainly focused on the first game, Kid of Hearts 1 last time so we thought it would be fun to kind of move on and talk about this theme in some other games because pretty much every single Kingdom Hearts game has something to say on this issue so that's sort of what we decided yeah would you like to go first David yeah so I feel like I might have talked about this a little bit last time but I want I wanted to kind of hone in my thoughts a little bit more and I think what originally sparked me to want to talk about this was I think it was HMK did a video. Um, he's a Kingdom Hearts YouTuber. Did a video tying the first line that you hear in the opening of Kingdom Hearts 3 with Yozora's lines uh, in Remind. So I'm just going to read the line from the opening where Sora is saying, they can take your, your world, they can take your heart, cut you loose from all you know, but if it's your fate, then every step forward will always be a step closer to home. Mm. Which I thought was, was a really interesting line. And I'll get into some Bible verses that I feel like kind of fall along those lines. HMK made an interesting point that it, it sounds actually pretty similar to what Yazora tells Sora. So I'm going to read, read to you the quote that Yazora tells Sora in the Remind episode. He says, If you are who you say you are, and it was fate that brought us here, then my path is clear. Both Sora and Yuzora are saying that whatever happens is happening for a reason. And essentially, it's, it's almost like they're saying it's, it's out of our, their control, but it's like it's a good thing. It's like, because he says, if it's your fate, then every step forward will be a step closer to home. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you don't have to worry so much about messing up as long as you just keep moving, if it's your fate, it will happen no matter what you do. And Yozora is kind of saying the same thing. He's saying, well, if it was faith that brought us here, then I know what to do. Now, that's still a little bit enigmatic because we don't really know what Yozora is trying to do. But I just feel like that's really 
similar to the the biblical concept of we we, we commonly call predestination, but uh, if you think of the word destiny, or even the word predestination, it has the word destination in it. There is a a place that you are supposed to end up. Like you have a you have a goal in mind. Like there's a there's a home in a sense, and that's what Sora says. It will always be a step closer to home. It's like you have this destination, you have this home that you're going towards. And there's a sense in which if you're a Christian, uh, nothing can kind of pull you away from that from that destiny, from that destination. So I want to read Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, this is a famous verse or the Apostle Paul says, writing to the Christians in the church in Rome, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So he's kind of talking about how, you know, everything for us as Christians that happens, we know that all of it kind of works together for good, that there's ultimately a good good purpose for it. And there is kind of that parallel where Sora is saying, like, they can take everything from me, take my will, take my heart, cut me loose from everything. But if it's my fate, if it's my destiny, then all of that is part of the plan. Yeah. That's actually an incredibly biblical way to understand the sovereignty of God. And I think regardless of whether you consider yourself a Calvinist or Arminian or somewhere in between, I think most Christians can agree that, you know, God is sovereign and he is in control. And that these these verses in Romans, of course, are true and they apply to us. And that God does work all things together for the good of those who love him. And so if you're a Christian, then that's true for us. I think what's cool about what we're doing with this podcast is I think that we're trying to bring out what these truths in Kingdom Hearts that we can really live out in the real world. Yeah. What I was saying, I can't remember the last time or in another podcast, that the cool thing about Christianity is that what you're playing in Kingdom Hearts, in some sense, you don't just have to play it. It's real. It's true. And it applies to our lives. You know, we are, we have been chosen for a special purpose and we do have a destiny that we're called to. And no matter what happens, whether our world is torn apart, whether we're cut loose from all we know, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Mm. Yeah, it's really cool. And just to like echo what you're saying, it's so interesting. Actually, only yesterday, me and my sister decided that we were going to watch The Matrix just out of nowhere. We've been wanting to rewatch it for so long and we hadn't got around to it. But like, <laughs> there's a moment where Morpheus asks Neo and he's like, do you believe in fate? And Neo is like, no. And Morpheus goes, why not? And Neo says, because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my own life. And the whole, obviously, point of the well, I'm not actually going to spoil the movie if you've not seen it, but um, but like, I just thought that was interesting because, like, his fear, oh, I'm not in control of my own life. Like, it is our reality. Like, if if the Bible is to be believed, the Lord is sovereign and he does know 
what's going on and in a sense like we do have to yield to him if we trust Jesus and we need to surrender ourselves to him but like there's also times in our lives where we have to make decisions and like God does call us to walk by faith and like to do something to you know what I mean as opposed to just sit there and like wait for things to happen like Jesus is saying come and follow me like there's an element of you got to do something about it so I think that that's really cool and um that just kind of struck me but coming back to Kingdom Hearts it's weird because like I was kind of looking at Destiny in like this sort of opposite sense because you're saying like it's a good thing in that way like God is in control but also it's kind of portrayed in a different light in Kingdom Hearts too because so Roxas he is initially taking the place of Sora as like the Keyblade's chosen one because Axel like tells him that he is and stuff and it starts out with Roxas and he's going about his daily life hanging out in Twilight Town all those things but then it's it's kind of it's just like the Matrix because he is a nobody and like he's living a fake life in a fake town. So he really calls into question the idea of predestination, considering that he wasn't meant to exist in the first place. And all along, he just seems to be like a puppet of others. And I think like there's a moment where Diz says there's no knowledge that has the power to change your fate. And I guess in his mind nobodies are predestined they're powerless to change their fate over those who are in control of them because it's always like bigger nobodies are controlling the smaller ones and so on and roxas is like wanting to know who he is and what's going to happen to him since he wasn't supposed to exist and i feel like sometimes we do feel trapped in that way like our lives are worth nothing that we don't like know our purpose and so on but actually the knowledge of the bible like, it can change our fate. Like, this is saying there's no knowledge that has the power to change your fate. Because Jesus came to save us from sin and death. So believing in Jesus is our salvation. And he can truly transform our lives. So, I don't know, it just kind of reminds me of what Roxas is seeking in that moment. Like, he's seeking the answers and things like that. So, I just thought that was really fascinating. And wanted to share my kind of thoughts on that. It's interesting, when I was kind of looking up I kind of did a Bible gateway search on the word destiny. And the most common verses you'd see is like how like the ungodly are destined for destruction. Um, but I think that ties into what you were saying that in a sense, like you can change your, your destiny in that sense. Like all of us by default, um, when we're born to the world, of course we're born in sin. And so our, our default destination for everybody is, is destruction. Mm. But, you know, like you said, by, by putting your faith in Christ, uh, by trusting in, in his sacrifice on the cross, you have a new destiny now. You have a new destination. Mm. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, like, because Diz is all about, like, what I need is someone who can move about the realm of light. And he's referring to Sora, like, as opposed to Roxas, who's like, resides in the darkness because he's a nobody. And, like, Diz thinks that he can control Roxas and all those things. But then Roxas has a will of his own. But, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of moments in, in Kingdom Hearts 2 where Destiny is, like, emphasized. Mm-hmm. There's another moment where where after Sora, Donald, and Goofy wake up from their sleep from Chain of Memories, 
they're going to Yan Sid, and he says, like, everything in your journey is connected. And he kind of tells them that they gotta go on another quest before Sora can find Riku and go back to Destiny Island. And this really struck me because, like, Yen Sid throws in all these questions and he says, whether or not you'll get back to the islands and whether or not you'll find your friend and whether or not the islands will still be there, like, Sora, you're the key to all these things. Yeah, definitely. There's this idea that um, in every hero's quest more or less every fantasy ever actually, even though the fate of the world, or worlds in this case, it rests on one person's shoulders, still no one can like predict the outcome of how it's going to go. And I suppose that's kind of where our free will comes into play as well. There is like a purpose, and there is a journey, and there is a destiny, but how that plays out is sort of interesting and very messy. <laughs> sure. And I think what's interesting that in both Kingdom Hearts and in Scripture, you see that that there is clearly there's real choice being made. That there's not this idea of being uh, puppets, but at the same time, uh, and that's also something that's talked about in Kingdom Hearts, especially in uh, three five eight over two days with with Shion kind mm. of wrestling with whether she's a puppet, where she's literally called a puppet at times. Maybe that's something we could talk about more in the future but you know definitely we're not puppets you know we have choices and we're responsible for those choices but at the same time you can also have confidence that that god is in control and that your your fate your destiny is is sealed in a sense and that's that's actually a, a comforting thought and that's that's really what these passages in scripture are meant to do they're meant comfort mm. and i like that how that's also how it's it's portrayed in kingdom hearts is is that your fate is something you can try to fight against or you can take comfort in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it is interesting because I do wonder if, like in the future games, if we find out, you know, who the Master of Masters is and his, like, real identity and what he's all about all along and how he's presumably pulling the strings, like, I don't know, Darth Sidious or something like that. It would be interesting to sort of come back to this discussion and be like, well, was Sora in control? But I mean, he is making decisions all the time. You know, we see that, especially like at the very end of Kingdom Hearts 3 when he decides that he is going to go and save Kyrie and abuse the power of waking and do all these things. And I think that's what we've talked about this before, I think. But, but that's one of the things that makes him such an interesting character because he is happy and he is optimistic, but he's also like a flawed hero and he sometimes makes mistakes and does the wrong thing. And I think all along in scripture, there's many people that mess up in many ways all the way through. I mean, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And yet there are people that are seemingly so blessed and have done so many things for the Lord. And we are just here in the middle of life, trying to figure out the best way to live, um, trying to, to put the word into practice, to spend time with God every day and make decisions. And those things don't always line up like 100%, but we're just trying to do the best we can. And I guess that's all you can do. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a misconception to think the Bible is a book of of heroes that we should try to emulate 
really it's a book of, of people who are messed up sinners like you and me that God uh God redeems and God uses in spite of their flaws, not because of who they are. And and it's so weird because like to me that's like a glaring thing. It's like look at how these people messed up and yet there are still some Christians today that are trying their best to be the holiest people they can be. And it's like that's not how that's not how the Bible works. Um <laughs> But yeah, anyhow, that's an aside. Uh, I'm not going to put that in the edit. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Kingdom Minds. You can find us on Patreon and also at Kingdom Minds Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And we are Kingdom Minds Podcast on Facebook. Also, our intro music was composed by Josh Reed and our logo was designed by David and my brother also. And we hope that you stick around and listen to our next episode whenever that comes out probably in the next month i guess i have been karis and i have been david <laughs> yeah take care bye